0: you're going to go on a killing spree with shop and nails? <laughs> Confidence of a hero or fool. I wasn't exactly certain which. Could not be more professional. It's all one I to go my life to. That's okay. It means something, it means something. And You know, that's my take on the quick blood series. Protonic rivers all
2: That's like a science thing, right?
0: That's right, that's right, that's right. It is a science thing, it is a science place, it is a scientific fact. Then we are all up in your face. It is time for the one, the only, Protonic Reversal. Welcome to it, welcome to it, welcome to it. Uh, Tonight, returning guest, but returning after a length of time that's about... Been about the same amount of time between releases, I would say. Uh, Mr. Scott Evans of Kowloon Wild City, uh, anti-sleep audio, uh, fantastic engineering producer, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I- I'm not going to waste time. I'm just going to get right into it. we got a lot to cover, uh, not the least of which includes this really awesome benefit record. Uh, you know what? We'll just we'll talk about it in a minute. So uh, thanks for joining us, and uh, let's talk to Mr. Scott evans and we're here with none of than mr scott evans scott welcome back to the show man it's been a while it's been a long while Hello, it has it's, it's, a, it's great to have you and you know god like civilizations have risen and fell in the past six months but uh, <laughs> i feel like there's a lot to report on and, and a lot to start with but i mean let's just get right down to it that the uh split with Shallow North Dakota is a kind of incredible thing, and I, I'm really excited about it, and I think it's a really, really cool thing. Uh, maybe not for the best reasons, but uh, could you tell us a little bit about that? It just came out uh, at the time of this recording, like, really recently, like, like last week.
1: Yeah, uh, so, Shallow North Dakota, did you know who they were before yeah, this, yeah, by yeah. the way? Yeah, Okay, yeah, I think mean, they're... I, in my experience they're a well-kept secret uh they're from hamilton i think ontario and just an incredible burly gnarly sort of you know noise rock band i guess but so heavy and so you know like the sort of post helmet like so a, a friend of mine gave me one of their records in the late nineties and it just blew my mind. And then their next record, and then eventually they did a third one years later called mob wheel. It's just, you know, like the Indiana Jones scene with your face melting off. Like that was me. And it's really been an important record to me since. Um, and I got to know the guys a little bit in the intervening time. Uh, they're Canadian, they're sweet as hell. They're, you know, and they were just dudes in a band that, you know, happened to, uh, you know, make its way to me on the East coast and follow me to the West coast. as like just this awesome, important band to me. Um, so that's like kind of the background and they're not really active anymore. They played a few shows uh, a couple of years ago. Um, <clears throat> people in the band have gone on to do other things. Cursed is probably the one that people know the best. Mm-hmm. Um, but lots of other bands too. All good. Um, And Tony, uh, the singer and drummer from shallow, um, three weeks ago, I think it was January 10th or 9th, his wife posted something on Facebook that said, Hey, and, you know, tagged him as the only, he's never on the internet. And, uh, she said, Hey, I you know, uh, I don't know how to say this, but Tony just was diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer. And, uh, from what I understand, pancreatic cancer is one of those ones that's my mom's a nurse, and so for talking to her, it's it's often symptom free until, uh, you know, a, a later stage in the disease. I, and if I remember so, right,
0: I think that's what Bill Hicks died of, and I think it was like the same thing. Where they're like, "Oh my god!" Like it, like it was a left field thing. Like it came out came out right. of nowhere.
1: So, um, at the time that she posted it, you know, I'm sure it was like a like a freight train to them. I mean, he's in his early 40s; they have two young kids. Um, like, you know, kindergarten age and younger kids. Um, and she posted a really strong, but, you know, stunned thing about it. And uh, and a- as sometimes happens with this stuff, the, the internet kind of spun into motion. Someone started to GoFundMe. Uh, it raised a lot of money, which was really great to see. Um, and that day, you know, I, I mentioned to our band, um, and in our bass player was said hey do we still have that shallow north Dakota cover that we did years ago and did you ever do vocals for it and is there anything we could do with that and I was like we do still have it and I did do vocals for it but I don't know what we can do with it to make money you know like as you know you know if you're gonna seven inches don't make money for instance <laughs> yes. like they like I'll, I'll back you know. <laughs> yeah I mean they're, they're cool to release and they're great to own and all but they're they're you have to sell them for so little that they're kind of a break-even
0: proposition. Yeah, if, if that's your idea of a benefit, you better think of another idea because it's not going <laughs> to...
1: Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I, I mentioned to Biff, the bass player from Shallow, that we were thinking about doing something. And I said, you guys don't happen to have any leftover tracks laying around you. And he said, you know what we do? We have a song left over from the Mob Wheel session that's never been released. And I was like, wait, what? Like, first of all, why didn't I know this?
0: You know, yeah it's like, and, it's like this is like in inside intel that you would be like hey i would have reacted differently yeah, like if i would number have Number
1: one stalker <laughs> american fan i feel like i was entitled to this information yeah. um, first of all how dare number you, two, would you <laughs> yeah and number two would, would you guys be interested in doing a split and he was like yes we would um and then i don't know how i ended up talking to jesse from ken mode um but we mentioned all this and he said, can we get on this? Yeah. Cause he, he is the only person I know who is a fellow, huge, Shower 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 Dakota, Dakota fan.
0: super fan.
1: Yes. Yeah. As a matter of fact, um, when they were on tour or Ken mode, a number of years ago, they were playing, I think the elbow room in San Francisco. And he said, Hey, here, you might like this. And he gave me uh, this apparatus must be earthed LP. He was carrying like a, a box of them on tour. Oh man, to people, you know, <laughs> mega fan. So, and I love Ken Mode, I've loved them forever. So uh, he said, can we get on this? And I said, you know, yeah, what do you want to do? Because we had talked a while ago about turning this cover that we did into like a tribute or something like that and having him do vocals on it. Yeah. And that never materialized. And he said, I think Shane and I can record something this weekend.
0: Oh, damn. And I said,
1: really? <laughs> <laughs> all right and sure as shit they uh that's
0: ambitious okay
1: <laughs> they're they're machines dude. So yeah. they, they threw together uh covers of two shallow songs from different records and bang them out in a weekend and he sent me a rough mix on monday he was like oh, how's this and it was fucking sick yeah uh you know just and we were off and running uh so we got in touch with sean pearson who is the guy who recorded mob wheel um i've actually mixed a few records that he has engineered since so we know each other and uh we got sean arsenian who um is in a band called the great sabatini yep and he's got a new band called cell press and those are both records that i mixed so i i've known sean before that but Got to, got to spend some
0: Pearson. some quality time with that dude in Montreal. Quality bro.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, also Canadian and polite, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but in gnarly band, Yeah, exactly. And also a killer artist. All the gnarliness comes
0: out in the music. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sean would you be interested in doing artwork for this. And like the next day he sends us the cover that it is basically done. Yeah. He's like, I just kind of threw this together. How's this? And we're like that's pretty good um <laughs> can you change the way the type looks a little bit and that was it yeah i hit up carl Saf. i said carl would you be interested in mastering this very quickly you know time is of the essence carl donated his services and said absolutely Turned us around a master in a day and it was like 16 days from idea to to split release
0: <laughs> that's bonkers i mean that's that's, that's wonderful but that's bonkers
1: it's bombers and you know we haven't ordered records yet like so i had to say to everyone like listen records are very backed up right now it's an uncertain
0: and time for for making vinyl for sure it's like yeah for yeah.
1: sure and you, you <laughs> definitely will get a record but you know jesse and i are going to be mailing them out ourselves and <clears throat> it could be four or six months before they show up yeah from the pressing plan but please you know consider this a like a GoFundMe, where the record is a bonus. Like well, well, it's not
0: yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the thing isn't the point. The, the point is to uh to to not only raise money, but just show that you care as well. And 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 that like this meant something. You know that this larger um this this music and the, and uh, and life of this guy has has meant so much to so many people and has connected so many people that it's like important.
1: Yeah. And I I think, um, you know, it, during this, I've a lot, I've, you know, as a person with a family and uh, roughly similar in age and all, I've thought about Tony's situation a lot. And I. Where the tables turned, I don't know, you know, I'd be thinking about my family a lot and not about this stuff a lot. But I, I hope, you know, in the little bit I've spoken to him, they've been blown away by this. And I hope he does know, like. Yeah, I'm not hassling him too much because he's obviously got bigger shit on his mind, but I so, hope, I hope he feels the love. You know, I like the, all the messages that I've gotten from people have been really, really beautiful. Um, yeah. And uh, the one of the nice things is a lot of people, you know, since Shallow was a band, uh, 20 years ago, they're not on Spotify, you know, yeah. they, they are on Bandcamp this has turned on a whole bunch of people to that band that had never heard them before.
0: That that never maybe had the opportunity or never even like knew necessarily. Yeah.
1: And they're all like, Holy fucking shit. You know, this is amazing because it it absolutely holds up. Uh, so shallow, they are also donating all their band camp sales to the Tony and family fund. Sure. So, you know, it, it, the music spreads and also a few more dollars get raised. Um,
0: and even if, like you know, the, the money isn't necessarily the point, it's still nice to be able to throw, you know, a, a good amount of it at it, as well as you know, feeling the love. Maybe I mean, and I remember, That's right?
1: But I, but from from what I understand from Cheryl, and again, I haven't even spoken to Cheryl, Tony's wife, but the stuff that she has mentioned, you know, they're going to be, um, this is going to be her full time job is, you know, helping Tony deal with this, take care of, it. and yeah, and taking care of the kids, yeah. They're gonna be staying, you know, in a hotel or an Airbnb near the cancer treatment facility they're in. Yeah. Uh, you know, all kinds of stuff. And they are in Canada, so the medical care situation is different than if it was the US. But
0: it's a little less brutalist than it is in the
1: US, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um so the money I don't know is, why I'm laughing at that It's
0: horrific, but yeah, you know, whatever, yeah, yeah. Gonna, But the, <laughs> but the money does
1: help. Um, you know, like I think we're gonna if we sell five hundred records, we we're keeping no money. Um I forget the math we did, but, you know, it was like, I don't know, eight or nine thousand dollars or something like that. Yeah, that's not insignificant. And, you know, a a few thousand dollars of digital sales also, Um, you know, that's that is enough to make a difference, I think, for however long.
0: Well, certainly. And it's and it's something where. Like you mentioned, it it kind of allows for an entry point for people uh, to know the art. As, as well. So it, it, it serves, yeah. uh, serves multiple purposes. I mean, I was, I was blown away by it, how quickly it came together and that's, you know, I'm, I'm no stranger to putting things together quickly, but I mean, it, it was, it's cool to see like it was, and then also we haven't even had a band camp
1: day since then too. Right. So I know that like, that's right. We talked about waiting this Friday is a band camp day. And we thought about waiting and, you know, again, you're trying to raise money like with our band, you know, we can kind of put, art first a little bit if it breaks even great but in this one particular case it was like man we really like the 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 bottom line really matters yeah. um and we went back and forth about the Van camp day and we were both we were all just so amped on getting this done so quickly that we decided to to release it but yes this is a Van camp friday coming up and if i think some people are saving their purchase for them yeah and that's great too um i mean i, I don't Big band camp getting paid you know they're the only good streaming company so <laughs> the
0: only one worth the damn i mean I, yeah. I personally i haven't picked it up yet but that's largely due to the fact that i just it's like also part of its Bandcamp camp days also like oh yeah that's also payday so you know uh ah. <laughs> that's 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 key also uh because i i want to yeah. you know i want to be in on it but it's not like uh it's not like the GameStop stock, you know. It isn't tied to a timeline, really, necessarily. Right. Well,
1: at, at some point, um, pretty soon, we're going to stop orders because we have to order vinyl, and have to know there will be to no made. repress. Sure. You know, so we'll we'll order a little bit of overage just because you know how to the vinyl. You don't know the exact number you're going to get, and sure, we'll sell. You know, so we'll we'll order some over, but at some point, pretty soon, we're going to say that's it. Well, and that's Definitely when the, after Bandcamp Friday.
0: Right, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the show because I wanted to, you know, do whatever small part I could to get the message out about this, which I think is the coolest thing. You know, just the, the coolest thing. Like, again, the rare example of the internet being good.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's great. It, <laughs> it, like, uh, I think what you said is exactly right. This is a really unfortunate circumstance. Um, but it is nice to remember that, like, this sort of, weird you know misfit group of people who make music that 300 people hear a year you know can still accomplish stuff together and that really is pretty cool i felt great to be able to get a couple of music friends like carl and sean you know involved and just see how quickly they could turn around you know really great work and It it looks like something that had been
0: planned for like months longer than than, than it was, for sure. Like, I mean, that's a compliment.
1: Or at least days longer, (laughs) you know, like hours longer. (laughs) Right.
0: Yeah. 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 Well, and like, I was thinking about it. I think like when I first heard of Shell, North Dakota, it was the old uh, Yahoo groups, uh, the International Noise Rock Underground, which is, let's charitably say, a while ago. Uh, the 1940s, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Back in the 1940s, exactly. I think, uh, yeah, F- FDR was a fresh-faced fresh young fellow. Um, and, uh, you know, it's one of those things where, if unless you're someone that knows and is kind of like searching it out, uh, for all the reasons you mentioned, just because they're, they're, if you consider Spotify like a discovery mechanism rather than, <laughs> you know, a music delivery system, I think that may be the better way t- to do it. But then I think about, you know, I had a, Alex Newport on not that long ago and it's like oh there's like one Theory of Ruin EP on on Spotify and like that's it I you know whatever I own the CD so I'm good but it's like one of those things where it's like oh wow
1: are there any Fudge Tunnel records on Spotify there might be
0: you know they're on ERA Fudge Tunnel, there's I think the records are there and there's like a live show Um, oh okay yeah so Fudge Tunnel was actually pretty well represented but it's interesting to me just what is and isn't on these services and how it for a lot of people it just doesn't exist if it isn't on these services now, yeah, and I think it's interesting that Shallow North Dakota sort of fell a little bit into that category, uh, but then also, you know, if you're if you are someone that knows to look on Bandcamp for something, then you can hey, look here's the stuff, cool, that's awesome. But you have to be someone that knows to look for it,
1: really. In that yeah, way. yeah, definitely. Um, and I think they are talking about getting their discography on Spotify. Jesse's been talking to them about that. Uh, Jesse is very, do you know Jesse? Yes. Matthewson? Yeah, yeah, Yeah. yeah. He's got a lot of energy.
0: Yeah. (laughs)
1: Yeah. (laughs) He's just got to kind of like, you know, he's like, hey, you know, we're happy to participate in this split. By the way, you know, have you considered this and this and this? And that, I'm like, holy crap! Jesse, yeah, like Whoa, slow down, act, slow it down, it down
0: slow down. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. He's definitely a force of nature, and so uh, you know, he's as a huge mega fan of uh, of Shallow, North I believe he's trying to nudge those guys to get their their stuff online so people can hear it, and they can make those sweet, sweet half cents.
0: Yeah, it's gonna the B airs exactly. That's right. <laughs> well, and I think it's interesting too that uh, you had that song sitting around like for so long. I mean, that's like what 10 years or something that you had that sitting around or
1: something like those lines? Yeah. 10 years. Yeah.
0: Which, which I realize, Calhoun sort of measures things in epochs. I know. So it's like, okay, that's like the Cretaceous right. era, Right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. That to me feels like we recorded it last week. Right. You no, know, what happened uh-huh. is, um, thou asked us to be on a split 10 years ago and we recorded two covers. Um, one that was a little ambitious, Mm-hmm um, which was a low cover and then we had like the safety one which was like let's do this this like real swingy gnarly rocker which we know that we can do
0: right down the line uh, sure yeah
1: yeah and we will be fun to play and and if the ambitious one falls on his face we have something to fall back on and not blow it on the split um but it turned out that we got a friend of mine lisa papino to sing the low song and she is an unbelievable singer yeah. and it came out great.
0: Yeah. That's I was going to um, say, that's a, that, it. That ended up turning out awesome. So that worked out pretty well. Yeah. It turned out great. <laughs> like,
1: uh, and funny enough, the shallow North Dakota cover was harder than we thought because the vocals are so tough. Yeah. Tony. You, you don't realize until you try and sing it, I guess, unless you're Jesse, cause he sounds amazing, but he's just like a, I mean, if you've ever seen the dude, he is a wall of a human and he just, he just sounds like that. He's so many, like, you know, me lyrically, I'm usually pretty sparse and you know, that thing is like a swinging rock song full of words and they are all, <laughs> all delivered, you know, full tilt. <laughs> right. Exactly. And uh, None, none of them are like, kind of hard to do. <laughs> yeah. None... And it's just been sitting around. Yeah. It's been sitting around for 10 years. And, you know, I just figured one of these days we would release like the, uh, the, uh, what the anthology of dead ends kind of. Yeah. The odds and you know, sods thing. record, yeah, sure. Yeah, like here's all the crap that we never, you know, and that would be on it. But this turns out to be a great, home, a great home for it. No, I so mean, it's pretty cool. It's,
0: it's almost an ideal situation for for something like this, right? Because and, and to have something just ready, locked and loaded is uh, fantastic. I mean, that's
1: yeah. Well, I, I, we definitely could not have turned something around in a weekend like Ken Mode did. So yeah,
0: <laughs> not everyone can be Ken Mode. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and the, uh, what can you, and what can you tell me about the, that, because there is a, a, uh, a shout North Dakota song on there. Like that's like leftover from like previous. From Mob uh, Wheel. Yeah. From so a previous I guess record. Yeah.
1: Mob Wheel is already, it's a double LP. It is all, you know, it's got a lot of well, they, long songs. Yeah. I was going to say
0: that, uh, that's, that isn't exactly a Miniman record as far as uh, song
1: length. <laughs> no. And I, I'm guessing they just like, I never even asked. I'm guessing they just ran out of space. You know, it was yeah, like... Logistically. Well, uh, the double LP is all we got. Yeah. Um, they said, yeah, we got this other song we were talking about doing a seven inch and they were like, well, it's nine minutes long. Uh, or ten minutes long. We could cut it down to nine. And uh, I said, oh, <laughs> well, yeah, We just judicious editing and get it
0: down to nine. Exactly,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, we joked about doing a seven inch at 16 RPM.
0: Right. Um,
1: which... Sonic's aside would have been pretty cool, but we didn't do it. So, so yeah, the split is a 12 inch actually, which is kind of funny for three songs. Um, and you know, you always wonder with a a B side like that, like is it going to be like a filler kind of? Yeah,
0: half-formed idea. And it's not.
1: <laughs> no, dead it's, end alley. It would have. It would have fit. You know, right on the record. It, like
0: seemed pretty rad to me. I was, I was like, whoa, cool. You know, I mean, the the first thing I saw was like, you know, the news, which is like, whoa, not cool. And then I was like, with the song, I was like, oh, whoa, cool.
1: Yeah, the song is sick. I mean, I. So Pearson, the dude who recorded that um, a few years ago, when Sean Arsenian hit me up to mix the Great Sabatini record that Pearson was recording for me, that was like. Like, you know, winning the scratchers or something, I was like holy shit, I get to mix a record that the mob wheel dude recorded. You know and I, there's probably like two other people on the planet who would be stoked about that. But I felt like I was winning a trophy. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and then I immediately just started punishing the hell out of Sean about like the details of the mob wheel session. I was like, right. do you, do you have pictures? Like, can you tell me anything, you know? And to him, it's just like this record he did 20 years ago. He's, has yeah. you know, he's got a really nice studio in Canada. He's been doing records since, um, so I think he was a little bit like, "What's up with back? the Punisher?" <laughs> eh? yeah, exactly. uh, but he was awesomely cool about it, and I think you know he does understand that like sometimes records just grab you, you know, and uh, that is the case for me. Like that that record for me is magic, and and it sounds magic. It sounds fucked. It is so burly and gnarly, and it just sounds like everything is catching on fire, and uh, and so I, I was just kind of trying to. Like get that out of them, but mostly I got sort of funny anecdotes and stuff. One of these days, you know, in the after times, I'll get up to his spot to record something, and then it's all over for that guy. I'm gonna follow him around with a tape recorder and just be like, "Yeah, you remember anything else about the guitar mics you used?" You know,
0: <laughs> the the recording itself will be ancillary to the chapbook that you're putting together of uh, collected That's stories. absolutely
1: <laughs> the ver- the oral history. <laughs> It's sold by one punished Canadian.
0: <laughs> well, but I think it's something where, you know, this this kind of music, however you want to, whatever bin you want to put it into in the record store of your mind, I guess. Uh, it means so much to the people that it means so much to. And that's something that, you know, that's, that's great. That's not something that, like, you know, unless someone's, like, really in a bad mood, they're never going to be bummed out about that you know it's like oh this has a deep connection with someone for you know reasons a through z but what matters is that you like you get to experience things in a way that i just can't imagine your average train fan experiences things maybe i'm wrong i don't know
1: well i you know it's possible that your average train fan has another community that they build things with that is special to them absolutely And i think yeah i think that is uh that's the thing that I, you know, as I've gotten older, realized is like, it's just this, I'm so fortunate to have gotten hooked by music when I was a kid. And, you know, basically all my close friends are musicians, yeah. all the people I stay in touch with. And I stay in touch with a million people who are musicians. And we always have stuff to talk about. And we're always working on things and sometimes working on them together. And uh, it's, that's your life. It's easy to forget that for a lot of people, um, they don't have something like that. Right. And you know, like it gets harder to make friends as you get older and all this kind of stuff. But like for me, because I kind of have this, this built in, you know, life love that a lot of other people do. It's been like a, a, a through line for my entire adult life. And I, uh, I, I just think it's it's really, really lucky and I, you couldn't plan for it. But um, I hope that the people you're talking about who just think music is like, you know, content you consume. I hope they have a uh,
0: thing. Maybe it's macro yeah, or I something. They, <laughs> who knows? I hope
1: they build motorcycles together. Yeah, or right. I hope they, you know, uh, are have a sculpture studio or I don't know. I hope they're photographers. I hope, you know, something like just having. I, I love making things. I love making things with my friends. Um, it's just that that's my favorite thing in the world. Um, and that, and music happens to be the thing that I spent the most time trying to figure out how to make.
0: Well, and Scott, have you noticed the, the thing where you can just sort of pick up with someone that you haven't talked to in like years and it's like no time at all has passed. Like it's something where you just pick right it back up.
1: Yeah, I mean, usually people describe their best friends that way. right? Like, oh, so-and-so is my best friend <laughs> yeah. in high school. We never see each other now. But when we do, it's like, you know. But yeah, like uh, Ben, Adrian, your former bandmate, is a great example. Like Ben and I don't see each other that much now. Um, but when we do, you know, or a, a, another funny example is my friend Greg Thompson, who I went to high school with as a recording nerd just like me. He was sort of one of my mentors. Whenever I talk to him, my wife is like, so how's his kids? How's his family? I'm like, I don't know. We <laughs> talked about microphones. <laughs> no you know, idea. Like, we only talked about guitars for like 20 years. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's, just, it's just like a natural every, you know, it's like if you see someone every day, you know, that stuff is always in your head, but you don't necessarily catch up on it. You talk about all this other shit. And yeah, yeah um, that's the nice part about this stuff, I guess. It's really, really lucky. So when did
0: you relocate to the Bay Area? Was that 2005, 2006, somewhere around that neighborhood? Is that track?
1: Yes. No, it was 2000. It was like, yeah, the beginning of 2005.
0: Okay. And and because you were an East Coast dude originally, right? Is that correct? I am. Yeah. Yeah. So what led you to relocate to the (laughs) kind of before the current dot-com era but sort of like right on the cusp bay area uh, during that time weird time to kind of be moving i would imagine
1: yeah it was two things um well it was one thing basically what happened was my son was born in september of the year before and there's a long story short is that i have a computer science degree i've been a programmer all my life and i we lived outside of dc and i was working for a bunch of dc like companies mm-hmm. and um it just wasn't what I saw myself doing as a programmer. I wanted to work on—I didn't even know what the word was for it. I, what I call it was uh, software people use, which the, the right word for that is consumer software. I think <laughs> um, I don't know, but I was—I kind of like doing, that like, description
0: yeah. better, though. That description's much better. <laughs>
1: yeah, uh, say it like you're four years old, um, and. Uh, and I spent a long time looking for that around DC and all my jobs always ended up being, you know, government contractors or contractors, government contractors, that kind of thing. Uh, and I was carrying my two day old son around, just kind of talking to him, mm-hmm. you know, so that he would get used to hearing my voice, I yeah. think. And, uh, and I realized I was saying like, Hey, you know, I hope you, uh, when you're older, you find something you really love doing and you don't have to, you know, put up with bullshit every day. And, you know, and I was like, who am I talking to here? <laughs> <laughs> and I basically wanted to move to San Francisco for, I don't know, years because that, because I would visited once or twice and it just immediately grabbed me as this amazing place.
0: Yeah. And,
1: uh, and also because I thought I could get, you know, cooler jobs there.
0: It it was like uh, the place for that kind of thing, you know? Yeah,
1: you know, dot-com shit aside, like it just seemed like that was where interesting technology happened. Um, So, and certainly where consumer stuff happened. So I said to Brady, I was like, hey, what if we moved to San Francisco? You know, literally our our son was like four days old or something. And uh, Brady is always down for like a stupid adventure. Like that's her sweet spot. Like I'm a very conservative sort of, you know, like measure 10 times and cut once kind of person. And she's totally like ready, fire, aim. And, uh, (laughs) so she was like, fuck. Yeah, let's go. And we did it. We, we, three months later with our three month old, we had moved to San Francisco and I found a job and, uh, we got a little bit settled and I started looking for bands to join and I met Ben via Craigslist. Yep. I uh, tried jamming with him once or twice and it didn't really work out, but we hit it off. I met Ian Miller via Craigslist. Um, and we tried jamming once or twice and it didn't really work out. I met Phil Becker, who was in Triclops a little bit after that. It's and 48. we tried jamming you it might work out, we got along. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and those people are my best friends now. And, uh, you know, and I did find jobs writing software that people use. Uh, so really like that move, I got to thank my son for that. It was out of character for me and the, just the best thing we've ever done with our life. Yeah. You yeah. Know, just, I, you know, musically and job wise. And I think for Brady too, job wise, uh, I, I just can't imagine what it would be like if, when I go back and visit DC. You know, if we still live there, it's just, it just—it just was not the place for us.
0: Well, it seemed like you had, however, you know, articulating it to the child or not, you—you you had a vision built up in your head, whether you realized it or not, and you were able to achieve that uh, just by kind of knowing what was lacking. <clears throat>
1: uh, That's an interesting. I, 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 yeah, I don't know. I think I. Uh, I just circle things a lot before I do them and uh to a fault I think and you know they say that having a child is like one of those it's like it's like losing a parent or uh I don't know this the short list of things are these huge shocks to your system getting a divorce that kind of thing like they it's a more positive one than the ones I just listed but they're often the kind of thing that it upends your world make like a dramatic yeah. life change. Yeah, yeah. You know, like someone gets divorced and all of a sudden they lose 80 pounds and, they, you know, like whatever, like that kind of thing. And I think the the shock to the system of him being born uh, was what my brain needed to be like, this doesn't need to be this way.
0: Right. So then how do you end up? So originally you you played with Ian and you said it didn't really work out. You know, I actually remember the Kowloon-Walled City origin story, but for
1: the listeners, could you please
0: uh, sort of articulate how it all came to pass, how you came to start playing in the Tenderloin, just those early days for Kowloon?
1: I think that was, I mean, that almost was the origin story. Like Ian and I tried jamming a two-bass thing, and I think we actually jammed once with Phil Becker. Um, And Phil was like, that sucked. And... uh, (laughs) And I was like, yeah, that wasn't great. And <laughs> I think then I met Jeff Fagundes via Craigslist also. We jammed once or twice with me playing bass and him playing. We were like talking about maybe doing like a big business kind of thing or, you know, Godhead um, silo,
0: whatever. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, just like, a you know, I don't know. But then my wife got pregnant um, with our second son, and I kind of disappeared for a while. And spent, I guess, some time playing guitar during that downtime and then hooked back up with Jeff. And st- I started recording bands just a little bit. And uh, I recorded, you remember this band, Lord Godbird? Oh, wow. It's okay to say no. No, no, no. I, I
0: remember I, I remember being blown away by the name more than anything else. I was like, yeah. wow, that's some name.
1: <laughs> yeah. So that band, I recorded them in their practice space. And it was like, they're going away EP because someone was moving or I don't remember what but they were breaking up. Yeah. And in that band was Jason Pace and Ian. And, uh, I was like, Hey, I'm trying to get this heavy thing going with this guy, Jeff, would you guys be interested? And the, you know, they said, sure, we'll try it. And they came down and we had a couple songs written. And I said, the, the influences are God flesh and unsane and shallow North Dakota. Um, and I'm sure you can find some interview 12 years ago where I said exactly that. It was always <laughs> true. Um,
0: that's the best and thing about telling out. the truth you don't have to remember it
1: <laughs> yeah yeah uh, and it just it, like it worked out pretty great from the get and uh, yeah we spent a long time practicing in, uh, in at Turk and Taylor in the Tenderloin and we recorded a couple records there that's where we did the Turk Street EP that's where we did Gambling on the Richter scale and it's also where we did these I think the songs for this split were the last thing we recorded there we did another split with Fight Amp a little bit later. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Ladder Devils that we recorded at Shark Bite. And that was one of the first things I did at Shark Bite. And that was sort of like um, an Im- important moment for me where I was like, you know what? This is... I should be doing this more. This being recording in good studios. Because it was really right.
0: better. Be- because Well, because there's... <laughs> I, and, I, and i'm glad you brought that up because i wanted to talk about the difference between you know you can make a lot of a lot of interesting and cool recordings like in, in a glorified practice based situation for sure but you don't have the resources that you have for uh for a larger studio and it kind of takes away takes some crayons out of the crayon box almost so to speak is how i would characterize it maybe you disagree
1: i was gonna start talking but then i realized that you might be getting to a question before it's, is no, there no. a question, or should I
0: just talk? No, no, no. This so this is probably doing. I do this is probably doing the videos. I saw you react to that, and I was like, oh, oh, oh. but uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, what would you say were the things that you kind of found that you're like, yeah, this is the thing that I've been missing? You know, recording the practice space versus uh, doing it in uh, a big studio. It was like drums. Was it like was there anything specific? Was it just an overall feel?
1: I think there were two things. One is yeah, the drums. You know it's just easier to make drums sound big and good um i was a little spoiled you know in the case of our band because jeff is like a he's just a great drummer he just is one of these people that the way he hits you you can't make it sound bad you know you can hang like a sm57 over his drum kit and use that and it would still sound great he just hits really really well uh but you know drums in a big nice room you know it's a different thing but the other main big thing honestly was like if you're sitting in a practice space and you're the recording engineer and you're supposed to be thinking and listening and you know staying organized and you've got a fucking you know jet engine pointed at your head (laughs) for eight hours yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) you know while you're doing guitar overdubs or whatever um like it's miserable and it's really hard to think and it's not great for your hearing and you know there. There's lots of other limitations, you know, like I had to pack up my, I had like a big checklist because I had to pack up my car with my whole studio every time. You can't go, you know, like if you forget a cable for your laptop, like you're dead in the water. Yeah. And this was in San Francisco where like getting across town, you know, was like an hour if you forgot something. It's like like, Oregon trail. (laughs) Yeah. It was just, so you had to be really prepared and have backups of your backups and that is fun and adventurous and like, you know, And it was fun to go back and I remixed the song pretty quickly. Um, And it was fun to go back and hear those tracks that we recorded 10 years ago and be like, huh, interesting. I'm a a better mix engineer now, I think. Um, And I think the mix came out great. Like, it's fine, you know, came out great. Um, So the quality of the recording in the end, like, I think I can make a pretty good record in a practice space. But, you know, do I want to make 20 of those a year? Like, not really, just because it's really exhausting and sort of punishing on your, your brain and your body.
0: One, well, especially, I think you hit on something important too, with like loud bands, right? You know, it's, if you're, I'm sure if you're recording ukuleles and flutes or whatever, like maybe you don't have the same, uh, the same exact thing, but you're going to get was ear fatigue, right? And that's a, that's
1: Oh gonna, God. It's, yeah. I mean, it's like, it's like everything fatigue. It's so, yeah. But you know, the truth is like, I mean, short of a band that is just ukuleles and flutes, every band is loud. Right. You know, all drums are loud. Yeah. And even like a fifteen watt, you know, fender amp is loud. Like it's yeah. So to to be able as a recording engineer to sit in a control room and you know and sit there and listen to the speakers while the band is playing and say, All right, we need to fix this and this it's just really nice. And you know, it's the kind of thing it took about 10 minutes to get used to. It. And then you go back and you're like, no, I don't, okay, whoa, well, this sucks, you know, like
0: <laughs> it's like going back to uh, in the wizard of Oz, going back to the black and white in Kansas.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and the truth is like, I could still like, you know, if you, I, I feel very scrappy. Like if you wanted to record a record all in a practice space for no budget tomorrow, like let's do it. I, I still have it in me for sure. Right. Um, I'm happy to sleep on the floor of your practice space every night. It's all fine. But, you know, all things considered, if you're going to do it 20 times a year to, you know, have an environment that's built for it and is comfortable for the band, uh, it's nice.
0: Well, because it's, it's, yeah, I think you hit on something important there, too. It's also, like, how does the band feel about what's happening, right? Is there additional stress going on because because of the environment is just stressful, right? (laughs) <laughs> you know yeah, I mean, is my car gonna be okay where i parked it you know like whatever you know
1: yeah yeah or can i even park <laughs> yeah exactly like, you know? can i park like,
0: somewhere and, and, and actually yeah. you know be able to get to where i need to go yeah
1: yeah so you know not having to worry about that stuff is nice and i i don't think we're talking about stuff that's super dainty i think it's just like you know it's nice to not have to worry about that shit and be able to think only about like
0: constantly being know. creative like getting a good take and, and
1: yeah and then, or show and be like right i gotta change my strings today you know like yeah. as opposed to being like fuck i forgot to change my strings because i was so worried about parking you know yeah. or whatever like just a little stuff like that so you know again the practice space thing is cool and fun and i think it taught me a lot of stuff about being fast and mobile um so i've done a bunch of like you know live recordings and and same rig that i would use in someone's practice space basically uh and it's so helpful and i think Every recording you do teaches you stuff, but, um, you know, yeah, not having to try and do vocal takes while there's like a doom band playing <laughs> on
2: either
0: side of you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, okay, hold on.
0: Let, let let, him finish this song. Okay, go.
1: <laughs> I just did. I just recorded it anyway. Usually, right, you know, right. like character the like container ships, <laughs> we did the container ships basics at Sharkbite, but I still did all the vocals. Turk street.
0: Oh, really?
1: Okay. yeah. Yeah. Um, that was before I had this space, you know, it was just like, I was, I, we rented Shark bite. And then if you need to do overdubs, where do you do them? Yeah. Um, and many nights there was weird Turk street shit going on in the surrounding practice spaces. Uh, Somebody and I'm sure if it, I go uh... back and yeah, I'm sure <laughs> if I go back and solo up those vocals now, it's like, wow. There is an entire other band playing right <laughs> in the vocal mic.
0: You got like a Jethro Tull cover band, like bleeding in, like, like oh wow, it's sounding good on this one.
1: <laughs> there was there was one band directly to our left that we called like riffosaur or something like that, and they were like you know just big like riff rock, yeah. really fucking loud. Yeah, you know, just like Beardo riff rock. And then there was like a weirdo. Uh, old dude poker night kind of cover band, you know, just butchering brown eyed girl and shit like that <laughs> at like two in the morning, you know, right, like just yeah. like what the hell uh, and I think both of them probably make appearances in the background of that record. Right, right. <laughs> so that was, And that was kind of like Container Ships was the one I think where I and, and the first Tygon record where those the first things I did at Shark Bite and they were sort of me realizing like uh yeah, this is better and I think there's a lot more for me to learn here about making things sound better and uh you know th- those were really important things for me as a recording engineer for sure.
0: Have there been any strategies or practices that you put into place for just making making a band like feel comfortable with doing what what they're meant to do? Like I mean, has there been anything that you've developed that's like unique to you?
1: Um I, I mean, you know me and I think I'm not great at making people comfortable. Um, I don't think that's my skill. (laughs) Um, (laughs) that's awkward. Um,
0: no, but I mean like, you know, the
1: answer is no, you know, I mean like, you know, I am a dude who plays in bands and, uh, and I think hopefully I am now technically confident enough that there's, you know, the, the the technical stuff should be fairly transparent, you know, to a band. Like, I can get sounds ready while you guys are playing and just getting comfortable in the room. Right. I get, you know, we'll be like, hey, we're ready to record and everyone's like, oh, really? You know, like, so I've had a lot of bands say after sessions, like, wow, that was the least painful session I've really ever done. And, and that's like that's the the greatest thing possible to hear. You know, the record I, you know, may or may not sound, you know, the greatest ever or whatever, but for a band to walk out and say that. Yeah. That's you know, great. I, <laughs> I think I would take that over like someone who, whose record came out sounding amazing. They were like, he fucking made me cry, you know, and I still, I'm still mad about it. <laughs> right. Um. But, but there's no specific strategy for that. I think other than, you know, b- being on the band side and not, I I know some engineers who have developed like a, um, it's me against the band Mm. sort of attitude. Mm. Mm. Like the band is just out to subvert the process. And uh, I've never thought about it that way. I've always thought we're in this together. You know, you want to make an awesome record. I want to make an awesome record. You might not know all the why an idea is a good idea or a bad idea because you don't make a million records a year you make one record every two years
0: right it's not because of your taste or anything it's just that like if something yeah, you're not doing you're all the time or because yeah.
1: you're like here to you know you're because you're here to try and torpedo the whole session it's just because this seems like a cool idea or you read about it or something like that so you know i don't know just being able to kind of make the technical stuff happen mostly in the background keep things process things in parallel you know, be while someone is like, I'm going to change my snare drum head set up for the vocal, you know, stuff like that. So things keep moving, but there's not a lot of downtime. It's just lots of little things.
0: I always appreciated that you have a pre heroic cool amp collection. Like it's sort of like if nothing else, <laughs> you know, people can kind of nerd out and be like, whoa, check out, you know, oh, this is so awesome. That's this one, you know, oh, cool. Awesome. And they kind of, that's an immediate icebreaker for a lot of people,
1: you know? bands a lot of bands not all bands um but a lot of bands you can always talk about gear um like you can always i mean i i love talking about so i can just be like hey what is that guitar you're playing and there's always a story you know it's like oh yeah you know my dad gave this to me but then i sold it and then i bought it back or you know like there's always something like that and i love that shit yeah so yeah and and the truth is like every amp in that Fucking room. There's a story like that for everyone. There's every a crazy story
0: behind it. Yeah, yeah. It's yes,
1: yeah, yeah. The the amp collection is funny because like when I moved into this space and out of my basement, Matt Bayless was like, "Cool, get ready to start acquiring a ton of shit." And I was like, "No, no, dude, that's not gonna happen." Like he's like, "Yeah, you can say that, but I'm telling you, once you have room, it's gonna happen. <laughs> it's gonna happen." And yeah, when I look back at pictures at this place five years ago and now, it's like, oh yeah, okay, wow. but that's all expensive you know it's just that you could like your bargain hunting can be justified in another way you know you're like it you know it's like well if if i was if i just had a basement i wouldn't buy a fifth you know marshall but you never know what a band's gonna want this specific year you know whatever you can fucking convince yourself of anything
0: yeah the, the the specious logic of gas gear acquisition syndrome
1: well, but it, I always it, hated that term.
0: <laughs> yeah. The only reason I use it is because it is acronym for gas, which I think is funny.
1: Uh, I think that's the reason I don't like it. I mean, like, I think the word gas, I don't know. Okay. It's an internet term. It's fine. It's just, I don't know why it always bothered me.
0: It's okay that we don't all agree on the same thing. It's all right.
1: Uh, no, it's fine. I'm not, I'm not mad.
0: When you have a personal story behind each thing though, do you feel like that makes it like harder to even like think about letting go like oh, i can't let go of that one that's the one that
1: yes you know, i
0: found at a flea market and treated two bowling balls for you know whatever
1: yes definitely <laughs> i you know i uh or like you know i know i don't use this a lot now but i will never find one again that kind of thing yeah uh, or i'll never you know if, if i find one i'll never let myself buy it again um and i know like kurt blue he's like never sell gear just you know but And you can tell if you look at his library, it's insane. I was going to say, just Uh, just
0: build a fortress out of it. Apparently.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But for me, I do try and, you know, I've tried to be somewhat, uh, pragmatic about it. And if something's not getting used, you know, sell it to someone who will hopefully use it and use that money to buy something that you will use. Like to me, the perfect piece of gear is something that you can grab with confidence. You know, like I know this, like an SM seven, like I, it's always going to work. It's always going to sound pretty good. You know, you just, you know, and there's other things, there's other compressors or, you know, amps or thing whatever. It's like, supposed
0: to do, which is, you know. Yeah. You know, there's it's like,
1: well, it sounds good sometimes. And other times it's kind of <laughs> shitty. If you, you angle it not, this way and
0: like the moon is in the, you know, the right place. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. And the right singer, you know, but yeah, like the, the ideal thing is like, man, this just, you know, so, so if I can, even if something is like a, has a great story, but it's, you know, too weird. Like, I like to think
2: that... Yeah,
1: you know.
0: For the audio listeners, there was just a a very pronounced looking around the room effect that Scott just did, looking at uh, uh, what what was around.
1: Just trying to take, take, um, you know, (laughs) yeah, mental inventory of if what I'm saying is true or not. (laughs) That doesn't matter.
0: I wonder if you uh, wouldn't mind getting a little more specific in some of the Kowloon records, you know, we more kind of pivoted the conversation into just recording in the small rooms and things along those lines, but uh, just, you know, I don't have to like, you know, be a brief history of time or anything, but just about each of the records, like the making of it, some of the songs, any, any specific remembrances you might have, uh, trivia, et cetera, et cetera. Starting with the, starting with uh, Turk street, which is, you know, start from the beginning.
1: Uh, let's see. No fresh. First, Ter- Turk Street was a long time ago. I, um, I know.
0: That, that's why we're starting with the hardest one first, and it'll get easier as time goes on.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, Turk Street was supposed to be a demo, and we just set up in the practice space. I think it... Well, yeah, we set up in the practice space. We, uh, you know, maybe put a few blankets over things. I don't even remember. And uh, recorded everything live. Um, and did the vocals there. And that was that. And then when I mixed it, we all kind of looked at each other and we were like, Hey, this came out pretty good. Um,
0: Does not sound like a practice based recording, like at all.
1: Yeah. Like we get, you know, this came out pretty good. I think we could probably just release this. And uh, we released it ourselves on the little label that I sort of quote unquote label that I had on a 10 inch. And um, that was really smart. I think, you know, it was that record, wasn't going to get any better. There was no reason to have a demo, like, and having a record instead of you know, nothing, was at the time. It was just really good, and I think it was right when the like vinyl heavy thing was really picking up.
0: That's, that's what I was just about to say. Is I was right at the dawn of like when it changed. Like, oh, vinyl's cool now. Like, vinyl's cool again.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yep. I remember I went to Pirates like, well, Press. Right. <laughs> I went to meet the people at Pirates and. Yeah. they were showing me some of the records that they'd done. They were like, yeah, you can have a couple samples. And one of the ones that they've done, I think was the torch record. You remember that torch 10 inch? Oh yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: yeah. That, uh, that had the CD in it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I can picture the, the EP. I can't, I can't think of the name of it right now, but I, I have it upstairs.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The, it's the, was it was just, uh, well, anyway, it's my favorite torch record. It's, it's great. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And it was beautiful. And, you know, that was right when that stuff was happening. Like Baroness was doing these really beautiful, like, you know, etchings along the outside and stuff like that. Like all these really cool looking vinyl things. Um, Sorry, this is not much about recording that record. I don't remember shit about recording it. We just set up (laughs) and played. Was
0: uh, Turk Taylor and Jones one of the first songs? Or was it one of the first songs that, like, you kind of could tell? Oh, this is cool. I think that was the –
1: I don't think it – I don't think anything ever felt special. Um, it just felt like, you know, doing the work people playing music. Yeah. Um, but I think that was the first song that we wrote and it's probably the first time that we recorded also. Um, there might have been one other that we wrote before that. Yeah, the first those first two records came out, came out of our hands pretty quickly. You know how it is, like when you start a band, like, you know, you get all your all the stuff that's on your fingertips you get to use. Um, and I feel like gambling was sort of like a, a continuation of Turk street almost. Um, they, I mean, it came out, I think a year it, later. It, it, so it, I was, think, it
0: was almost exactly a year if I remember correctly. Uh, it was yeah, real quick. So
1: we, yeah. So we wrote that quickly and, um, I, and I can't remember much about recording it. I, what happened was <clears throat> we got a nice review from Aquarius Records of the 10-inch and Paul Handbarger, who ran a label called the Perpetual Motion Machine, who hmm. um, was in Richmond at the time, Virginia, read it and hit us up and was like, hey, I just read this review. This sounds right in my alley. If you ever want to do something, let me know. And so I, you know, my plan was always release everything ourselves, but I think Andy Aquarius, Andy was like, "Dude, labels are fine. Don't, don't. You know, it's okay." Uh, so we talked to Paul, and in the end, he put out Gambling, and that was great. Um, but I don't remember much about recording it, honestly. I think it was, it was the same kind of deal. That th- one thing I do remember it was. Did you ever? You were never in our space in Turk Street, were you?
0: Yeah, uh, I don't remember why, but I, I was. Was I think there? most
1: of the Bay area was at some point or another, <laughs> probably it was it, it buying was or selling an amp or
0: something. I don't know. I don't, I, I was there for some oh, reason. Okay, yeah. Cause I remember being like, Oh, when I realized that Turk Taylor and Jones was like, Oh, that's, Oh, it's here.
1: Yeah. Right. That's the directions. Um, yeah, that's how you get the here. space <laughs> itself was, you know, was like in this sort of like really ill maintained building. It there? I don't uh, remember. Huh, matter. But well, a lot of bands played there too, you know, I mean, it, it, there's three floors of spaces there and, uh, but so the our space was big like i don't remember the square footage but it was big there were regularly like 6 or 8 bands practicing in there um there was always at least four drum kits set up yeah and you know it was just big yeah. like it wasn't that big like we were packed in but you know the average space this th- that would be a big lift
2: <laughs> right uh,
1: so the thing i remember about gambling is that we we had to i think i counted We had to pull out and then bring back in and rearrange. I think it was 18 four (laughs) by 12s. Like, wow. Big, stupid Legos. (laughs) You know, so we used them as like soundproofing, like his gobos. Um,
0: Make yourself a little uh, labyrinth while you're at it. You know, why not? Yeah.
1: Yeah, so everyone, had, like I have a picture somewhere of it, like of each of us standing, you know, it looks like we're in like a studio, but instead of Gobo's, there's like amps, walls of amps around us. Yeah, yeah. Um, and but same <laughs> yeah. thing, we did that all live, you know, maybe I was a little smarter about the mics and stuff, but not much. Um, And banged out the vocals pretty fast with poor Jason, like, sitting next to me, you know, coaching me a little bit, because I basically barely sang. And barely played guitar at that point. Um, and uh, I don't know. They, again, kind of, it was a long time ago, but I feel like we just banged out very quickly and very crudely, you know? And uh, the goal was to try and make it, this was a little bit shallow North Dakota influence was like, this thing can just sound fucking blown out, you know?
0: Yeah. Like And be okay with like that being part of the thing that it's, that it is. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <clears throat> and uh, that was what we did. I, you know, I handed a very blown out mix to my friend who mastered it, and and a clean version. He basically tried to make a mastered version that was as fucked up. Um,
0: <laughs> well, it's an aggressive sounding record, but it's like it's it's the kind of thing that you know if you're looking for that kind of thing, it's it's like I would. This is an extreme example, but like raw power or something, right? Especially the, the Iggy remix, especially, but like. Like the yeah, fact that I mean, I, I respected the fact that it's like, wow, that is fucking absurd.
1: But props. Yeah. And in hindsight, I don't think gambling actually sounds absurd. No, no, you know, at not time, at all. It like it sounds aggressive. is like we're lighting this up pretty good, you know, yeah, but yeah, yeah, uh, yeah.
0: It, it sounds aggressive. It doesn't sound absurd for sure. But it, it's something that it kind it of encapsulates, you know, encapsulates a certain mood and like it, it presents the songs in such a way that um, it forces the attention. Is that why I put it? Indeed. <laughs> um. Indeed, yes. <laughs> Takes the listener on a journey. Takes the listener on a Well, and, and then I think back to you kind of having the original conceit of the band and the, and the bands that you mentioned. I always thought it was, was... And I didn't get it for a long time, but like the whole like, we're not going to do the blues-based heavy thing. I thought that was real interesting and kind of like I never even thought about that and for the longest time I
1: think it was because we were getting you know there was a, a big like stoner yeah metal thing happening at the same time which was all real like kind of riff based and like sort of swingy and shuffly and and you know sort of bluesy like in the patterns that you would play and stuff and uh, I wanted to oh shit hang on my screensaver just turned on and I'm trying to record us. Wow. Um, and I wanted to be none of that. You know, I yeah. wanted to be stiff and straight where other bands would swing and more sort of angular and whatever. And I, it, it, it was for some of the stuff that we were doing, <clears throat> we had to tell ourselves that because the natural thing you'd want to hear something that's more like Sabbathy.
0: Yeah, right, right, right. Have a, have a like swingy kind of bit to the riff or whatever, or even like small yeah. small things to it. Whereas you almost had a tendency to go more, I guess what would typically be called noise rock on some of it, where it's like it's it's purposely angular here or whatever, but not. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And I think for me that was sort of novel because I did not grow up listening to a lot of Fugazi or Shellac or Big Black or you know, I mean, I was aware of all that stuff, but I listened yeah. to mostly metal. Um, and it was only when I got older, I realized like, you know, that, that all the things I just listed grabbed me in a lot of ways that, that it didn't when I was younger. Um, so I, you know, I think for some people, you know, like you probably, or Ben who grew up listening to like weird, scronky, you know, Albini rock, like that stuff is a natural influence, but for me, I had to kind of find it a different way. Um, and Jeff, you know, Jeff was like a rocker also, like. Uh, but you know, you just don't, don't bend notes and don't play like the little box patterns and
0: <laughs> the way the box, which, which are very pleasing to play. Don't get me wrong. and can come to great results. But I, it, it, it was something that I was never able to quite put my finger on about you guys until I think you, I, I don't even know if you were talking to me. I think you were talking to someone else. I overheard you. And I was like, huh. And it made me think about it. And I was like, no, that's interesting, because that is kind of what makes the music sort of unique. And now I feel like there are more bands that kind of operate in that middle ground, maybe, in in their own ways. So it's, like, less weird. But, again, you got to talk... This is, like, 12 years ago, right? So. so <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. And, you know... I mean, a lot of I don't, changes in 12 years. I think, really, for, for us, the, when it really clicked... And this is... I Jason is awesome, and I loved playing in a band with him, but he moved away. He was ready for a break after gambling and John Howell joined the band and he was in, you remember Tygon. Um, And Tygon was fucking out, dude, just, just bonkers. You know, what a great band. Um, You know, John comes from a lot of Fugazi and Unwound and uh, just, you know, he's a, he, he can't play like a blues thing to save his life. Like, you know, (laughs) it's it's not
0: in his nature. Sure. Exactly. It is definitely
1: not. It's amazing. (laughs) So I think when he joined and we wrote container ships, that was when like a lot of that stuff really clicked. And I learned a lot for better or worse about guitar playing from John. Mm. Um, He's, he's been very patient with me and, uh, and a really awesome, you know, inspiration and influence. Uh, Cause he's such an interesting guitar player. I mean, I see a lot of guitar players, you know, now as a recording engineer and I, there's very few people I see that are. John Howell is. He's his unique. Own thing. He's got his own style.
0: Yeah. And, and that is, that's a, uh, I guess that is a bit of a rarity, isn't it? I mean, like if you stop and think about it.
1: Yeah. I mean, the saying that, that I always say is like every band needs one mutant, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and and uh John is definitely our mutant for sure
0: that got me thinking if I'm the mutant I think I might be the mutant maybe not i don't know but that, that's yeah that's, that's the x factor that makes something uh make makes brings out the you know uh, draws out the contrast is that the, i think that's the phrase I'm thinking
1: of yeah i mean they say that you know to do something creative what do you, you need to take like an established formula and change two things or something like that like and so I, that's the that's what the mutant does, right? Like,
0: <laughs> can you speak a little bit about the uh, the freeway split, the 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 lose lose lose.
1: Um, I
0: think that that was like right after Game One, if I, if I remember correctly. My timeline
1: might be. I think you're there. right. That so, what happened was I recorded Tygon at Sharkbite, and then. We played a couple shows with Fight Dam. And uh, one of them was this house show out in Sacramento somewhere. Um, nice. And it was like in a kid's garage. And um, it was raining and they were sick. And we were just standing outside, like sort of miserable together. Um, but. They played great. We played fine. People bought records. Like it was a cool, fun, positive experience. Even though it was like, wow, we were standing here getting rained on in the mud together. And we just got <laughs> along great with those guys.
0: Well, that's bonding in a way too, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: So they asked us to do a split with them and this band, Ladder Devils, that was also from Philly. And I had already recorded Taigon and Sharkbite, and I was like, if I'm remembering the timing right, and or maybe this was before Tigon. No, well, I don't know. One of the two. But the plan was to um, to record these songs at Shark Bite. So we kind of knew that. And we wrote songs that had a little more space in them and said, you know, like, hey, I think these will sound good in a bigger room. Um, and we tracked in like one day. You know, Ryan helped me out, Shark Bite Ryan. Um, and I think we did the vocals there too. And then I mixed it at home. Uh, and, and to me, those songs could just about be on container ships. Like they kind of represent, you know, the bridge between those two records to me.
0: That's one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about it, because I feel like if if someone were just to know those two records, like, oh, wait, this is this is the connective tissue.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's, it's this one. For sure. It's
0: these two songs.
1: <laughs> also, that one Ladder Devil song that's on there is, mwah, it is... Uh, they they did. I don't remember how many records they did, but that to me, that what is it called? It's the one that's in seven. It is such a good song, just incredible hook. Like that's they, the yeah, that's, that's the one on the here. split like, that I should be huge. Like
0: that's the only one in the split uh, that I'm. I'm like I still don't know that much about those guys. Like I, I other than yeah, the split, I mean so. they,
1: they they barely toured, um, and but they were in um, shit. Oh, my God. I'm going to forget it. Go make me Google this. They were in a really gnarly, like, mathy, you know, not quite botch, but, you know, like. Like that kind of. That, that yeah. Kind what was it? What was the name of that band? God damn it. I'm so bad at name dropping. But they, they, they had done a thing before that when it comes to me, I'll text you and you'll be like, oh, I've heard this. Um, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and also, it's sometimes it's nice to leave something for listeners. Let us know. What was it that?
1: Oh yeah, that's homework. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think Ladder Devils was like their grown-up band a little bit. Um, so yeah, that, that split Brutal Panda put out, and that's how we met them. Yeah, and then they were they ended up putting out Container Ships, and that's been sold out, you know, and out of print forever. And I wish they would repress it, but we can't seem to talk them into it. So
0: yeah, that's uh and that's a. You know, that's a record that you know. It kind of seems like there's, you know, some people. Everyone has their their favorites for what you guys have done, but for me, that's the one that's. I was like, oh, yeah, this is cool. And one of the reasons why is because I feel like like the sort of the space that you guys added on some of the stuff kind of just allowed you. Allowed you more room to kind of do some more interesting stuff. Not that that wasn't happening before, but like when you had like the the sort of tightly compacted, early stuff, like to see it kind of. Think about even like you know, like the title track, right? Like that it's like, you know, it's like, man, that one goes <laughs> for a while. Yeah. I
1: mean, I think that was, <laughs> that was, that split was like the unlock for us for that to figure out that we could, we could do that kind of thing. And, you know, maybe I could sing a little differently, which was important because I was having all kinds of throat problems. I, um,
0: yeah. I mean, sh- shocking exactly. No one.
1: Uh... <laughs> yeah. No, when I hear that stuff now, I'm like, Jesus Christ. yeah
0: it's the thought occurred to me when i would would see would see you guys play back then like wow he's gonna be destroying his throat if he continues singing that way but you know look at headfield like he did it for like forever you know and like it's
1: yeah i mean you know you I, i my favorite example is neurosis like yes those guys do not warm up you know
0: blows my mind yeah like it's like wow they just
1: and, they, and their shows are, you know, Diving two hours, two and a half yeah. hours long. They can just do that. Their technique, you know, is spot on. And mine never was. Uh, you know, mine was always terrible. And you were right. I was absolutely fucking wrecking my throat. Yeah. Um, like, literally, so, like, yeah. do
0: damage to yourself. Like, long-term damage if you continue doing that for forever, you know?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I did. I I ended up at, you know, the UCSF Voice and Swallowing Center and, you know, having... Scopes down my throat, all kinds of stuff. Um, like, how do you
0: describe, so how do you describe in that situation, like, why, why you're there? Like, did you, just like, oh, I sing in a, I sing in a band. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. It's pretty aggressive.
1: Yeah. The, the first, well, the people, each time the people that I've seen were either vocalists themselves. Really? or oh,
2: cool. All right. Yes.
1: Well, the first woman who I saw was like an opera singer and coach. You know, very much, and she was, I think, horrified by me. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah, sure. like because she had spent her whole lifetime really learning to like control her, the voice as an instrument. Yeah. You know, someone like me who has very little control over that, and it's, you know, especially at that time, she just like, you know,
0: yeah, just like, like, the but, shotgun full of buckshot. <laughs> yeah, right? she's just
1: like, what do you mean you can't? you know, this, and I was like, I don't know, I can't do that. Like, yeah. Uh, but, uh, the, yeah. And the people after the doctor that I saw after that, she did a lot of singers, um, mm-hmm. you know, like would get called in when like, you know, she, she's like, I can't tell you the client's name, but I have been at like, you know, I don't know the Enorma dome or whatever, when someone was going to play and I had to make a call on if They could, if they could cancel the show or not. You know, so she, wow. she had done So You yeah. basically like just, uh, play them a song and be like, that's me. And they go, Oh boy. And <laughs> off you go.
0: Watch them kind of flinch. And then whatever happens next is the important thing. Yeah. That's, uh...
1: Yeah. The, the one doctor was really, uh, at UCSF. She was really wonderful. Uh, she's really bright. And, uh, she is the woman who said to me, you don't have cancer. You know, so we're just going to work from there. And that's. Is that where the song title came from?
0: Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Um, And I, I, you know, when we finished that record, I went back and I gave her that CD. I was like, hey, here, you know, you said this. And I think she appreciated that.
0: That's awesome. (laughs)
1: Yeah. But that's a lifelong thing. Like, I still have throat problems and I've got to be careful about it. It's, It's not great.
0: It's real, man. That's real. Yeah. Uh. So then. Oh wait, I'm forgetting. There's uh the split seven inch too. Um, that was uh right before that, right? Is that right? Is that uh before Container Ships? No, it's right after it. I'm wrong.
1: Which we did yeah. a few. There was one the one that we did with Thou, which we mentioned.
0: Th- that they the uh, the, uh, w- the one you didn't mention.
1: Uh, um, and there's one we did with Batillas. But,
0: yes, I was gonna say B B B, B- band. <laughs>
1: Yes. Um who we toured with, we did a couple of weeks on the east coast with um they became you know good friends. They were a really rad band. Like when we started touring with them, I thought they were just like one of the sort of current crop of like loud, you know, wall of amp doom bands. Yeah. Um and after seeing them every night for 2 weeks, I realized they were way more interesting than that. Something um,
0: to have to do it, there was some uh, yes, something there, so some there there,
1: <laughs> yes, um, you know, instrumentally, they were mostly a three piece, there was only one guitar player, uh he was a really interesting, weird guitar player, um he was definitely their mutant, and you know the drum parts were intentionally really stripped down and thoughtful and and the songs were really hooky and So anyway, much better band than I originally realized. Um, And we wanted to do a split with them and they were on tour out here, I think. And we recorded, they wanted to do a Godflesh song. No, they wanted to do a ministry song. Sorry. Um, And that's right. We were playing this Godflesh cover with them on tour. Oh,
0: okay, cool. All right. So like kind of a man jam sort of situation.
1: Yeah. Well, Fade, their singer would come and sing. Yeah. Cause he's like a very like you know al jorgensen sounding kind of like you know like gnarly industrial dude that's his that you know he brought he brought like he made them like he was like an industrial vocalist in this doom band which was also part of their weird trip yeah um so he was the perfect vocalist to sing this godflesh thing and so we decided to they would Do this ministry song, and I would sing it. So you, so
0: you switch the vocal. Okay, that makes sense now. Okay, gotcha. Cool. Yeah. Like what was lava, right? I think is the because I mean, I'm not gonna front. I used to like ministry quite a lot, like back in the day. You know,
1: I dude, I the record before. You know, the in case you didn't feel like showing up, fucking the live one. Yeah. (laughs) Fucking a dude. Yeah. I don't don't care what anyone who lives in Chicago says. That shit's awesome.
0: I'm endlessly thankful to Ray Washam for. Uh, telling some great stories while being just the most stand-up. I absolutely will not talk trash, dude, ever. And like, but leaving just enough room in the stories. That, yeah, <laughs> you know what's up there,
1: dude. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, lava. It, it, was to, it was interesting to me that they wanted to cover a song off of Filth Pig because to me that that is not canon ministry. You know, <laughs> like, it, like, but it's, those guys are younger than me, and right. they're you know. Their sense of canon might be a little different, um, and Phil Pig is a rad record. Like it is crazy sounding, and the songs are crazy. And but it was a, just, I don't know. It was like
0: I like that song. Another song and the Bob Dylan cover. Those those are the three songs. Oh, not I really
1: the like Bob Dylan cover.
0: <laughs> but I haven't listened to it in forever. I owned that on. I think I I worked at Tower when that came out, and I think I have it on cassette somewhere still. And I remember just being like, Nope. This ain't it. Yeah. <laughs> this ain't it. And I mean, I loved uh you know, um, Mind is a Terrible Thing to Taste, Land of Rape and Honey, even Psalm sixty nine, yeah, yeah. like relentless, you know, just like ridiculousness, but like great. And yeah, when Filth pick came out, I was like, hmm. Okay.
1: Right. So if you were gonna do a ministry cover, you probably wouldn't pick a song. I would not have picked that now. But there we were. Um and it came out awesome. Like we, you know, Jeff set no, the did. drums for that. I remember his drums were kick, snare, hat, I think. Uh, maybe one ride. I'm like, yeah, let me know when you're done setting up the drums. He's like, oh, I'm done. And, you know, he's straight up fucking beat the whole time. And it was really cool. I got to, like, just, you know, make, like, sort of loopy sounds out of, to make, like, industrial it out, but all with organic sounds that we recorded that day. And it came out awesome. Uh, sold like shit. No one bought that. So. <laughs> So,
0: well, first of all, seven inch and seven inches are for the people that they're
1: for. And like, you just have to reconcile yeah.
0: yourself for that. And
1: I, I'm not mad. It's just kind of funny. It was fun to do. And I yeah. I love the way it came out. So well,
0: Yeah. I mean, I just think it's kind of, you know, I think it's kind of interesting. Like it's sort of, you don't see that like, hey, the singer's going to sing for the other band for this. And, you know, like, and it was sort of like, oh, God, flesh and ministry. Yeah. That both that kind of makes sense for both. Yeah. Yeah. There's too, like a right? dramatic thing to it Uh, shallow
1: north dakota and kittens uh do you know kittens
0: kittens i don't think i know kittens no
1: oh good i'm gonna send you a record when we get off um (laughs) yeah the bazooka and the Huffler is the name of the record i'm gonna send you (laughs) it is fucking amazing you will love it it is amazing and they played a lot of shows together back in the day just another great canadian unheard of noise rock band and they did a split where they actually covered each other's songs nice
0: i like that too (laughs) <laughs> yeah I, I i have a i i guess i'm of that certain age i always have a soft spot for those kind of motifed uh singles uh, and and that's that's the yeah. classic one like the classic joint of yep. hey it's so-and-so playing this song and the other band's playing that song and
1: yeah if you're gonna do a split it's cool for it to have like a little thing so uh so that was that and i think that's all the splits we've done not many and then
0: I I, I want to say, I I guess you know I have the internet I could have looked it up, but uh, when when you came on last time I want to say it was like right about when Grievances came out, like it was like like maybe sh- like the like shortly after it like it was still pretty new if I remember correctly. It was oh wow, genre. yeah, that's possible. I mean, it was, it was, it was we're talking yeah. a while ago. I mean, this show shocks me how long I've been doing this, especially uh, you know considering i still have technical problems but <laughs> well, <laughs> the struggle was
1: real uh yeah i mean that was two thousand fifteen yeah's been a minute
0: yeah that track because i think the, i started the show in like 2014 so that that, that, that would that would make sense and yeah. you know that's that's one that um you know that's the first one I can think of that's like oh that song kind of sounds a little like unwoundy there like that song's a little bit like you know, and, and not in a way that's like a ripoff or like, oh, they're doing a, a thing there, just in a way that like the, the sound had sort of moved in a certain direction in the space had opened up in certain ways to do those sorts of things. I mean, was that can you tell us about uh
1: recording that record and uh you that know, that record as I remember, and again, this was a long time ago. Uh yeah,
0: um, I didn't realize it was that long ago until I looked at the screen. I was like, whoa.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> well um (laughs) that one was hard to write as i recall um it i don't remember why uh john might remember why but i just remember that it was a lot of work uh we threw away a lot of stuff i you know i was really just pushing back on a lot of things and trying to get them just so but i didn't know what just so was and it was hard you know i was a little bit out of my ability i think um Jeff was kind of like burnt, I think, on the real slow thing. You know, he really wanted to rock more, even though he's great at it. Yeah, you know, he's, he's
0: got a talent for it, even if it's burnt oh, out he's such it, a good drummer,
1: and the stuff he played was great. But I think a lot of this stuff, you know, you'd play it, and it was hard for him to come up with ideas for it. Um, and that was very frustrating for him. I think it made him kind of, you know, angry, and he'd be like, I. I don't think the song, you know, I don't think the song has much to it, kind of thing. And I think it was just because he was shutting down because it was hard. Um, Some of that stuff we worked through. Sometimes I would go back and I would come up with like some beat ideas to start with, Um, you know. And in the end, it worked out. Like I'm really proud of that record and the songs on it. Uh, But it was definitely a grind um, writing it. And I don't, God, I wish I could remember more about recording any of these. that one we give ourselves an extra day or two, I think. So probably four or five days in Sharkbite. Um Every one of these records we've we've tracked live together um, and I've engineered all of them. So, uh, you know, I had a laptop like next to me in the in the live room at Shark like right. remote desktoping yeah. <laughs> in to drive Pro Tools in the control room.
0: Right, right.
1: Um, talking about uh, talking just, about it's, it's software
0: people use. Right? Was that we said? Can't
1: remember. I'm usually it just, better
0: at callbacks. It's
1: late. Sorry. It's, yeah, yeah. It's it's um. It's just nice to not have anyone else there. Yeah. You know. I'm sorry for everyone like who's not us that has to have some other jerk like me in their <laughs> recording session, but you know, I've I've never experienced that. Like we're always it's always just us. I mean, Um,
0: do you feel like there's like a Heisenberg effect of, you know, the act of observing something, changing it in some cases? Is that too heady of a question?
1: (laughs) Well, I do think that the energy of a person who is not in the band definitely has cast like a, you know, ripples in the room. And um, you never know if the engineer is going to be the kind of person that is a positive or a negative like resonance with the band. Um, you know, so hopefully the worst you can do is be transparent and not a negative effect. Um, and, and so for us, you know, that's just not a factor, you know, no one's going to get weird because someone that is a friend of ours is engineering and is watching us make mistakes or something like that. Um,
0: The machine that grinds on is a machine that consists exclusively of the people within the machine.
1: Yeah, I guess so. And, you know, to some degree for me, um, I have certain ways of making certain engineering things work that I don't want to have to explain to someone else. and I don't want to trust fall into someone else. Mm. You know, so if, if it's like, look, I know that we can do the bridge of this song better and splice it in or something like that, like Easier for me to do that than watch someone else do it, and not do it the way I would. Um, and the same thing for recording my own vocals. Like I don't enjoy it, but I'm very efficient at it, and I know that like I don't have to worry about communicating with an engineer. And it, you've been recorded plenty as a singer. It's hard. Yeah, it's, it is. It's,
0: it's still my least favorite it's, thing to do.
1: It's awful, <laughs> and it's like, and it's like walking with someone else's legs. Yeah, you know, like it's. Uh, like and I don't have to do that when I record myself you know like I can walk with my own legs um so for us I think that's the you know that's the thing but grievances really you know we all stood in a room and we recorded it together for a few days we picked out the good takes then John and I did a day of overdubs to you know like oh well here's John's lead thing or here's uh a sparkly guitar under this dirty arpeggio just to yeah. make the notes pop out. You know, little shit like that. No big deal. Um, and I did the vocals by myself here, I think, and, you know, mixed it really fast. Um, our records are always really easy to mix. Uh, the, the Here's the one thing that I remember about that record um, was when we, we set up for um, like guitar overdub day and so i put like a bunch of i like to put like a you know five or six amps or whatever in the live room and have them all plugged up and ready to go and then it's easy to be like does this sound the way we want nah how about this you know there's a mic on each and you just real easy you to just
0: move it move it move between the uh, the different sounds yeah
1: you know, there's like, no more go, there's no like hold on let's get another uh, grab amp. the
0: park i think there's a speaker cable over there yeah.
1: right yeah there's none <laughs> of that like you 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 take the hit up front yeah, And then you like have, you know, a little wall of amp set up. So we did that. You know, it's a little bit of slow motion while you're doing that shit. And um, we did the the first solo we did was for the song Backlit. And the first take, you know, we didn't know. We were like, did a test pass basically. Like, let's see if yeah. the tone's okay. And, yeah. you know, if whatever.
0: Let's try this out. Take it for a test drive.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And just make sure the levels are right and whatever. And uh you know, the headphones are good. And that's the solo that's on the record. Like, <laughs> you know, John played it and we're all in the control room just looking at each other like, Oh my god, yeah. this is amazing, you know? It's so beautiful and everything about it, like it, it was just oh. That was one of those moments, you know, that like is why you want to record music. It's yeah. just
0: because it is it's not that you could not have you know reproduced it, but it is a captured moment in time where you're like
1: that's that's
0: the thing that's that's it.
1: Yeah, it, you know, and they're, they're move on like that was yeah. you know, and first of we'll all, you have already made the sale. The Stop talking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: Stop drilling. You hit oil. <laughs> right, uh, exactly. Like I mean, and, and recognizing that too, which you know, I, I think that that takes a certain. Clarity of purpose as well as a certain amount of uh self awareness. Uh also. Yeah, yeah, for sure.
1: And you know, John in his case he he pre writes stuff and you know, is uh knows what he wants to do and he'll he's usually pretty good about being like, Yeah, that I did it, that's it. But I don't know, that was one of those like hairs stand up on the back of your neck kind of moments. It was really (laughs) cool. Yeah. It was really, really nice. Um yeah, and that record, you know, years, years later, when I hear it now, I'm like, yeah, this I still feel not. I, I usually don't like my. Any of my previous work, I don't know if you're like this, but I like it's hard, like I'll listen to it, but I'll pick it apart. Um, and uh, that one I still like.
0: Yeah, that's nice. That that, that That's a nice thing. I feel like I, I feel like I used to be like that big time and I feel like that's something I had to aggressively not not become like is is just being okay with like no that's what that is and that's there's nothing wrong with that that's that's right that right is. instead so, of being so like well saying... no, if only we had done this or changed that or whatever if only this had
1: oh yeah. and so that you're saying that's the way you were years ago oh yeah
0: <laughs> much <laughs> yes. harder
1: on yourself oh, yeah, yeah 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 like
0: total asshole frankly uh but like i don't know i, I sort of changed my notions about recording and realized i was overthinking hmm, almost everything. <laughs> oh okay. <laughs> for a, for a really long time. And i was like, oh, okay, so i'll just i'll just guess, i'll just let all that go. Okay, cool. And it was incredibly freeing. I, I think it made me better personally. But I
1: I, I I think we all grew up people of our rough age and this but even people are younger, i think probably grew up, you know, where recording was hard, you know, like it was hard to get a good take. And it was hard to sing right and it was hard to play the whole song all the way through and it's hard to get good sounds And you spent five hours moving a microphone to try and make the snare right and never did <laughs> and right. so you just it's easy to decide when you're young that that's what recording is.
2: Yeah.
1: And um, I say this to bands now I'm like, Look, dude, this does not have to be hard. Like you. You actually grew out of that. Like you're, you're working in a great-sounding room. We have good gear. I know how to use it. Like, you guys know how to – You
0: Everyone knows how to play Your instruments well. sound yeah. good when you
1: play them. <laughs> yeah. Like, all we got to do is set up the fucking mics and record a couple passes. It just right. doesn't have to hurt, you know? And so, so it's nice that you were able to realize that because a lot of people don't, you know, and they'll want – like, we should do it once more. Maybe just once yeah. more just uh, in just, case. But just a, like just yeah.
0: a, It's fine. It's good. Just in case what? <laughs> just in case <laughs> just in case just in case what is the correct reaction to that just, yeah like, just
1: in case you play it good again like what do we you know like
0: <laughs> just in case there's still some joy in the plane and you want to make it like totally tirelessly <laughs> terrible yeah
1: <laughs> ah. well it's nice to hear that you had that healthy moment i think that's
0: i mean it, it's it honestly i i kid you not it's one of the great epiphanies of my life and i don't take it like lightly at all but it's just like huh oh okay (laughs) so uh, oh it
1: just kind of is what it is
0: so most of my adult life i was kind of doing that wrong all
1: right well that's good to know okay well but i think also to be fair to you there you were you were rehearsing to get to this point yeah right you know yeah yeah like 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 you know, you, you learn all this stuff so you can forget it. But it, you did have to go through that process.
0: You have to knock yourself
1: through a couple brick walls
0: <laughs> and, and learn yeah. how to do it that way before you can unlearn, unlearn it. Uh,
1: yeah. Yeah. And and again, I think you're lucky to have had that, that little self-epiphany because not everyone does. You know, I have lots yeah. of bands that are like, you know. Oh, I just don't know if that takes it. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, dude, you're hiring me to tell you that that takes it. And that takes it. You <laughs> I'm know, telling like, you, but that is the take. <laughs> yeah.
0: Can that be like, can that be a challenge sometimes? Or are you, do you feel like you have to like find ways to like almost euphemize it or to
1: like, uh, you know, even just I'm like not,
0: rearticulate yourself in a way, or are you just like, I'm telling you that's, that's it. It's fine. Like, it's good.
1: I am not, uh, <laughs> even though I'm. This is the classic engineer producer <laughs> thing
0: by the way is what we're we're, we're glancing at. Yeah, I, this,
1: this this might be surprising but I'm not an asshole I think in sessions. Um I I'm there to make your record and if you really want to sing that again, you know, I'll tell you that we're going to run out of time, I'll tell you that we're going to have to book, you know, I'll tell you the implications of it. Um and you know, but but for whatever reason I'm I'm rarely confident enough to be like, "No, you may not do that again. (laughs) You know, I I, I feel like, like every recording engineer that, you know, if you read an interview, they're all recording engineers because they had a session with that one fucking guy.
0: Yeah. 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 They was like the total dictatorial (laughs) jerk. Yeah.
1: Like the the stereotypical asshole engineer who told him no, and wouldn't let him do this and whatever. And so, you know, for me, I'm very kind. I do not even need to be that conscious of it but it's in the back of my head for a while. Like you never want to be that person. You want to be the person that facilitated these people doing what they want to do.
0: Have you had to pay witness at all to a band, like not able to get out of their own way before you don't have to name any names or anything along those lines, but just like that concept of,
1: ah, come on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I definitely have recorded a bunch of bands and I can't, I can't think of anyone's name off the top of my head, but I would, I, you know, I don't think they would, be mad about it, who make it harder for themselves than it need to be. Um but sometimes it's a fine line. Like I I the the, the pinnacle of my recording life to date was I went to Denmark a couple of years ago to record Town Portal in the oh, studio yeah. Yeah. in Copenhagen.
0: I totally slipped my mind to talk about that. I want to talk about that. Thank you.
1: Uh amazing band, amazing studio, the greatest experience of my life. You know, like, if the plane flew into the, the Atlantic on the way home, like, <laughs> so be it. Um, but it was interesting because I, you know, we, we, we prepared a lot. The studio was amazing. They had an incredible mic collection. We set up a bunch of mics, and I was like, all right, let's go. And Christian, the guitar player in the band, is also a recording engineer, a good recording engineer. And uh, he's much more... He's a little younger than me and he's just I think he may have slightly better ears than me and he's just more cautious. Um like are you sure? And I'm like yeah. Yeah, let's go, you know. Right, yeah. Uh, Wheels and, up,
0: let's do this.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Like what what are you waiting for? Like, you know. Jesus isn't going to appear above the console and yeah, be well, like, "What's the cord?" Exactly. exactly. Now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, in this metaphor, I am Jesus. Uh, so we appreciate the clarification. Thank you. Yeah. So, but the funny part is I think that actually worked out to be like a nice balance. There were places where I was like, Christian, you were fucking killing me here. Like, we do not need to take this song again, but we will, you know, yeah. like, like I trust that you have very good ears and you know, let's do it, you know, but like, you're sort of killing me here. Um, but there were other things where he said, like, for instance a great example is he was like, "Hey, what if we put up one more set of room mics?" Hmm. I just had it was a big long room and I just put mics way at the end of the room cuz I knew they wanted like big. Yeah, yeah, you know, get
0: a big sound out of it. Sure. Yeah.
1: Enormous room sound. And uh I was like, "I don't think we need to do that. You know, let's go." Um and he was like, "No, I really like and you know, but what if we flown <laughs> there from the other side of the world and God bless him, he was still like, "I really think we should do that." I was like, "All right, cool." And that was really smart uh those those mics were really important in the actual sound of the record so you know like in the end i think the push and pull um and i came away learning some stuff from that which is to maybe not be so quick and i think you know for us it was and we were respectful the whole time but it was a good uh so i you know there were times during that session where yes he was he was making it harder than maybe it needed to be. But I also understand that record was a big deal for them. Yeah. You know, they, they'd practiced a lot. They'd flown this fucking dude out to record it. You know, they'd always recorded themselves previously in it, their, and in it's their a practice big step
0: to even have someone else involved in the process when you've done
1: that. Yes. It's trust. Um, trust someone trust be- involved. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, uh, if the dude just like kicks his feet up on the console is like, it sounds great, let's go. It might be like, whoa, hey. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah.
0: Can you, I need to make sure that you're not taking this too flippantly here.
1: <laughs> yeah, yes. For real. But um the funny part is they are such a good band. And uh I mean there's there's just nothing working against us there. Amazing band, like amazing studio, fucking like Museum quality mic collection. Yeah, like basically the studio they had bought out a Danish public broadcasting. Oh wow, really? That's awesome. Or something like that. They had like forty meticulously maintained tube Neumanns, you know, all just like sitting out on stands, ready to go. They had two Neve sidecar consoles that worked perfectly. The place was incredible, uh, you know, and a really great sounding live room. Yeah. So it's like you, like. If you make a bad sounding record there, you're, you, with those, you know, you're fucking up. Like,
0: <laughs> yeah, you're probably trying. <laughs> you're probably trying
1: yeah. to do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you would have had to work at it. Like, so that, you know, it came out great in the end.
0: Uh, that reminds me of the, uh, that two song deal that you, that you did with those guys. Those, uh, those, uh, the salon song, mm. the, um, uh,
1: The other one. (laughs) What was the other one? Oh, the khaki King song. Yeah. Yeah. The khaki King song. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Uh, do you know that khaki King record?
0: I, 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 I I think I listened to it after I heard you guys' version of it, but I was, I must confess I was not familiar beforehand.
1: She usually gets, um, I think thought of as like a sort of an acoustic guitar ish version of a shredder. Yeah. You know, you'd see her name in like guitar magazines a lot and stuff like that. And, um, none of that material ever really grabbed me that much, but this one record of hers it's called until we felt red. Um, she sings on it and it's got like, like, uh, just kind of like saucy drumming on it, like real pocket, like, you know, natural sounding it is. and, And these very like twee vocals, just a, like a top 10 record for me, just really beautiful. And, uh, and I just come back to it over and over and over again. Um, you know, covering something like that is fraught with uh, peril. <laughs> yeah, you know, like we're just a bunch of gorillas. You know, and it's like this really, like yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, really beautiful song played by a, a virtuoso guitar player and stuff. I, you know, for that matter, covering a Celine song is like, what are you doing? I'm
0: just gonna say it's not like it's not like the other song is like the easy get. I mean, like yeah. <laughs> but respect. I mean, because you know, it's real easy to be like, hey, we're gonna do this Unsane song, cool. You know, I lo- right. that. That's great. That's that. That would be perfect. But it's like no, like that's crazy. But like, it's almost it's almost like for the listener, if you're familiar, like. Did they land that? Let's find out, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs>
1: yeah, I, you know, I, we, um, we talked about doing that before this tour and, uh, we were, we were down to do it. And I think they suggested the Solange song first. And I, I think we were going to try doing a thing where we were all, I don't know. We had a bunch of different ideas that we were like, basically while we were still on tour, Maybe we were flying. I don't know. We It took us a long time to come up with a song. And finally, uh, that Jessica song, I was like, this one, you can totally hear us doing. you know, yeah, like it's, yeah. uh, And John was down. But we never, I don't think we ever practiced it or arranged it or anything. Like, I'm pretty sure like the night before we were going to meet up with the Town Portal guys. So we're in like a hotel in Italy or something like that. I don't know. We're like, we really should just get our guitars out before we like, just, go like, to bed and figure this maybe, out.
0: Maybe like, make some attempt at playing this before we attempt to record, yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so we did that, and you know, John and I have worked together enough now that we could do that and came up with a really nice arrangement. We met up with the Town Portal guys the day before uh, the filming, and with no drums or anything. We just, like, someone had a – the guys in Rent, I think, had a friend um, – with a house in the city that we were going to play in that day, and so we met up at this house, and all sat down with our guitars, no drums or anything, and like worked out an arrangement together. And at some point, Christian said, "You know, these are in like the same key and a basically like the same tempo, so we can do this." And uh, the next day, we did it, and it came out great. It was really fun and really cool. Total tour highlight.
0: It, it was a, it was a nice uh, sort of left field thing coming from the outside of like, wait, what? <laughs> that I, I appreciated that. I was like, whoa, that's cool.
1: Let's yeah, thanks. I How did you know, that come to it pass? It took us forever to get it done. Like right. I, the guys were doing the video edits or something. I don't remember. There was like a whole thing to get it mixed and done. But whatever. If When we finally did release it, it was, uh, I think we released it after COVID.
0: I was going to say it wasn't that long ago. And uh, that's, yeah, that tracks, that tracks.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, and that but the tour was guy. What is years anyway? Uh, <laughs> it was coming up on two years ago. Yeah. So it, it was like the tour was the summer before COVID. Yeah. And we released the video. We finally like got done with it after COVID. Yeah. And yeah, that was a small pond guys, which is the. the um, they're a label and studio um, and practice space in England. And they are great dudes. They did awesome work. They have a bunch of other uh, records that I really would recommend. The Bonnie songs record that they put out um, a year or two ago is I absolute, you know, weekly listen for me. I just love it. Nice. Um, yeah. A few others.
0: So speaking of quarantine times, I-, I know you kind of made the plunge big life adjustment uh somewhat right before quarantine's uh launched to kind of dive more into doing recording into to doing more of the more of that kind of work and things along those lines without realizing the entire world was about to change. Yeah. Uh, how's that been? How's the how's the uh as as uh, an overarching thing, like what have the challenges been? What what have there been any like kind of good sides to that. I mean, everyone's hurting right now. So,
1: so I don't remember. I think it was, I don't actually remember when I sort of like formally said like, Hey, I'm going to stop having a day job and be a recording person. Um, but it wasn't that long before the plague hit, um, up until then, honestly, it was going really well. um, business was picking up. I was doing records that I was really stoked about. I traveled to a few different places to do, um, really great records. Uh, one of them, I recorded Harris in, uh, Harris, in, uh, Seattle. That was great. Went to electrical twice, which was, you know, a dream. Yeah. That place um, is okay. It's fine. Um, and you know, and a bunch of good records here, and uh, and, you know, like it's been very hard for my wife and I to juggle our time with our kids because um, she works very full time. Um, but, you know, audio wise, it was rewarding and fun and seemed like, you know, i pretty good. Um, once COVID basically, I recorded Strangelight right as COVID was starting. And that was still when it was like, oh, this is just a bad flu. Right. Kind of thing. You remember yeah, that? Uh, it was like,
0: yeah, we, we we'll might have to like suspend activities for a couple weeks. Yeah. I remember that. very well. Yeah. <laughs> like, can I hug you? Yeah. I can yeah, That's hug fine. You, right? like it's that.
1: okay. <laughs> um, shortly after that, we canceled all the sessions at shark Bite. I canceled all my sessions. Uh, and basically my studio and shark Byte have been sitting idle since then. Um, I had at that point a lot of a pretty big mixed backlog. Um, of records that i tracked and records that other people attracted they were sending me to mix so i was able to spend a good part of the summer you know busy catching up on all that stuff um and uh, then for me as i got through that queue you know very little work came in after that a handful of things um I have some friends who are engineers who had a lot, you know, that bands were recording themselves at home and wanted to put stuff out, and bands that were digging stuff out of their back catalog, whatever, you know, yeah. but for me, that was not the case. Um, just different clients, I guess. I don't know. Uh, so it's been for the last, what is it now, February? I don't know, six months? Been pretty slow. Um, and I've used that time to do some gear maintenance and-, and uh, some pedals. Well, yeah, I, I basically finally taught myself some stuff about circuits and really, God, just tortured a bunch of my friends who are electronics whizzes. Um, you know, knowing Ben, who's like this sort of natural, like, Ben makes circuit stuff look really easy. Like, he just is able to think that way. My dad was like a ham radio nerd. Um, you know, I mean, I grew up around this stuff. I soldered a lot when I was a kid, but I've never been able to really understand circuits. It's always been like embarrassing and frustrating for me. So basically like for a few weeks I was just sitting there like while my kids were doing their remote school, I was like with electronics textbooks.
0: Doing your own remote school. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. And yeah. And then finally I said, Hey, uh, maybe I can finally do a pedal of my own here. And the obvious one to start with is the one that Ben did for us a million years ago, that KWB, um, walls. So, yeah, it. I, I Yep, the Kalun Wild Bunny, um, which is a great pedal. It's been. Do you have one? I can't remember. Yeah,
0: yeah, and I, I got. Uh, I have a Kalun Wild Bunny, and then I have a Prototype Bunny Drive, which does, didn't even have his logo on it. It says Neutron Drive. Well, that's on also it, a good pedal. And it was a uh, uh, like label tape, <laughs> like because yeah. it was it was that early on. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> So I... And mine says Neutron Drive hard. instead of Bunny Drive. That's it. That's the other distinguishing feature. Sorry. Got Go it. Right, right, right,
1: right. <laughs> uh, that's a great pedal, too. Yeah, so I, you know, learned, again, I can't say taught myself because I really basically just punished friends into teaching me how to... Um, but you know they aren't up to anything else, so
0: that's the nice, the nice thing about quarantine.
1: Yeah, well, I don't know. Uh, these are busy friends, but they, they taught me how to do circuit board layout. And, uh, there is nothing cooler than like the UPS showing up and a fucking PC board that you designed, like physically holding it. It is the coolest thing ever. Uh, did a few rounds of those. And yeah, we, I built, um, a round of a, a run of a hundred of those KWBs sold through them like that, learned what it's like to turn yourself into an assembly line again. <laughs> you know, you've done this, right? Where you like you're shipping seven inches and you're packaging them all or something like yeah. that. And, 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 and so you, and this you, is that like a million times yeah, over. Like
0: Right. Like I, I think of it in terms of like at first, you're like, oh, cool. Right on. And then you kind of get into the rhythm of it and it gets a little repetitive. And then you kind of like hit that, the long walk by Stephen King aspect of like, oh my God, I've never been doing anything but this. Yeah. And then you get excited about it again, (laughs) and then you go back to being a slog, and then you're, and then it's just like, yeah, it's
1: the cycle, man. I think it was like mid COVID, you know, and to have something like that was required attention, um, but wasn't, you know, particularly like, it didn't require a lot of like intellectual attention.
0: Uh, Right, right. Cause it isn't necessarily like something creative necessarily in the way that you're doing the work, but it's something that requires engagement.
1: Yeah. And there's a little bit of creativity as far as like figuring out good ways to make your assembly line efficient, which like I find really gratifying Yeah, just like coming up with these little systems and building jigs and stuff like that. Um, and that was all new for me. So that was also, you know, like you get that sweet spot of the learning curve where something's fast and satisfying. Um, so, yeah, for me, actually, like the tedium of stuffing eight resistors a hundred times and then, you know, <laughs> right. and doing all the, it was wonderful. You it find some like, comfort oh, yeah. in
0: the repetition and... Ah, uh, uh, tedium. Yeah.
1: Yes. <laughs> um, I think technically, like, I shouldn't be doing that. I should be farming that out to a friend who's a great assembly person and, yeah. you know, like my money should be invested in coming up with other pedal designs and stuff like that. But honestly, I really enjoyed it. Uh, and for me, it's great to like, if I do that next time I do some pedals, like I learned a lot. And I think even someone who's done a lot of pedals before, there are things I could bring to her. Where I'm like, look, here's an easy way to make that consistent. Uh,
0: did you think about things like, uh, like Jack placement and like logistical concerns and things like along those lines? Oh, when yeah. You're doing it?
1: yeah. You have to, you have to think of, you know, like when you're doing circuit board layout, it's, as a software person, I'm. It's. I'm used to being like I can think about that later.
0: Right.
1: It's got to be right of from, the, comp- from, the,
0: from the jump when you're doing hardware, though.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Like you know, like when you're designing the circuit board, you got to be like, well, where's the power going to get connected, and how's yeah. it going to fit in the pedal, and like, you know, so you have to think about all these things at once while you're also being like, is the schematic right? Yeah. Um, and that's been an ongoing, you know, lesson for me. Like the things that are important in hardware and in electronic circuits. <clears throat> and their priorities are different than with software. Software, you you can you can fix tons of shit later. <laughs> <laughs> software is about
0: the only place you can actually fix it in post.
1: <laughs> yeah, but like, well, in audio too, you can be like, "Wow, well, this is not perfect, but it's fine." Yeah. Um, but you know, like, like with the circuit, like you can't stall a, patch for a pedal well, usually. <laughs> like the, the holes are where you drilled them. Yeah, you know exactly. that. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) the the horses
0: left the barn at this point, you know?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that's, it's kind of funny and, uh, has definitely taken some getting used to, but it is pretty cool to look over and be like, there's a hundred of the exact same thing that I all built by hand. Like that's for me, like, you know, it's the same as looking at the pile of tapes that you packed or, you know, shirts that you, whatever it's like, that's, there's something very cool about that.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's been it's been cool seeing you do it like i the last thing i need is more freaking pedals that's why i didn't order one but because i was just like i was like can i justify doing this like, I, if I got rid of one maybe like well which one would i get rid of like and this is a me problem i have the same thing with t-shirts like it's like so this is
1: the everyone it, okay. yeah i mean it's honestly like the world does not need any more distortion pedals but
0: but i want like, you to know i gave strong consideration to doing it so like well if you're gonna do it do it with this because it's you know and I didn't, but I, I was like yeah. that, that, you know, like the, the the angel and the devil.
1: If you had asked me, like, "Hey, dude, should I buy this?" I would have been like, "Don't buy this, kind of like you know." <laughs> yeah, the OG. you're good.
0: <laughs> well, I appreciate I appreciate your discretion, but uh, you know, so, sometimes yeah. some things you do just because it's like, oh, that's a cool thing to do. But it, it was like the combination of things I was like, I'm glad he's doing this, and I will like the fuck out of all the posts and like even repost them, but. I'm probably not going to buy one, I don't think. Or will I? No, I won't. Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. I was surprised at the response. I think basically, like, a bunch of people have wanted the Ben pedal forever, huh. but he just made so few of them. Yeah. And the people who have them aren't getting rid of them.
0: Yeah, that, no no one's uh, selling that pedal because it's it's like, yeah, no. why would
1: you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, why would you? Um, that, you know, like, people just heard about it forever. And, you know, like, pedals are they're half legend and half functionality anyway. So
0: <laughs> right, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. I know it's going to, it's going to make, I'm going to be able to write the perfect record once I get this pedal.
1: Yeah. Or just you've okay, been cool. hearing about it forever or whatever. But in fairness to that particular circuit, it it's a is. weird,
0: it's a crazy, weird, cool pedal though. I mean, it is a weird yeah, pedal.
1: It's, yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's very useful. It's just a good tool. And there's something to be said for
0: that. Uh, that said, if people, because Believe it or not, Scott, a bunch of musicians listen to this show. So if people have stuff that they want mixed, can they get in, in touch with you about uh, looking into that? And if they would they go to com if, if they were? Uh, yes,
1: they can find me on the internet. Because um, you do maintain your probably. own
0: website, which I appreciate because so many people just donate more.
1: Uh, I don't maintain it very often. Yeah. but Okay, maintain um, may be charitable, but it exists, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I have been thinking about doing some re-architecting of my web technology. Uh, you know, if you want to talk about that, uh, no one wants to talk about that. Uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, Anti-Sleep is the website and uh, or you can find me through our band's Instagram or what, you know, which is Howlunwald or you know, whatever. Like, it's hopefully not too hard to find me. I would love to talk to people about mixing records or building pedals or, you know, whatever. I just need friends.
0: <laughs> uh Scott, this 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 has been great man. Thanks so much for doing it. Uh this it, it's been a joy to have you back.
1: I, it's really nice to talk to you dude and let me just before we split here just give another quick shout because the the reason we're talking I think is the split for uh Tony from yes, Sheldon North. bringing it up Bring
0: it, all, bring it uh, all back to the original uh the original beginning of this. Yep.
1: I'd just say, you know, a quick thanks to anyone who's helped out that cause already. And if, you know, if you hadn't heard about it until now, uh, go look it up and consider buying a record. We'll have them for sale for a few more weeks and then that'll be that. So, yeah. uh, you know, and a hundred percent of the money is going to Tony and his family. So we're really, really appreciative. Also, you'll learn about a fucking amazing band if you didn't know about
0: it. Right. A, a great cause. And it's, if you just like good music, you will be, uh, you'll be happy
1: for that. You will have your face just sheared clean off So that's not a bad thing okay.
0: uh, Last thing Scott I, It's the only can question I ever ask people uh, and at, at the very end You can choose to interpret this however you like But why do you do what you do
1: Holy shit I don't know. Um, Music has been my lifeline, I think, for since I was a very young child and uh, it still is and making things with my friends is gotta be one of like the top two or three gifts in life that I feel like I have. Um, And it gets me out of bed in the morning and makes me feel good about myself and uh, gives me things to look forward to and to look forward to from other people. And um, I don't know if that's why I, do it. You know, like, I don't tell myself that stuff, but I think that's naturally why I am driven to do it.
0: Well, I, for one, I'm glad that you are.
1: Oh, thanks. Oh. Also, I, uh, also all the money. <laughs>
0: <Right>. <laughs> well, that goes without saying, I would think.
1: Yeah. yeah. The prestige. <laughs> the prestige.
0: Yeah. Uh, Scott Evans, thank you so much, man.
1: Thanks, dude. It's great talking to you. Likewise. Yeah.
0: Ah, there he goes. Mr. Scott Evans. Your best years. <laughs> was Turk, Taylor, and Jones off of the Turk Street EP, the very first Kowloon-Walt City song and the very first Kowloon-Walt City release, and then after that, or sorry, before that, and before that was the Kowloon-Walt City song that is indeed a Shallow North Dakota song, The Milkman, which is available on the Shallow North Dakota Ken Mode Kowloon-Walt City record that you can get right now. It's a charity record, kowloonwaltcity.bandcamp.com. I spent a lot of time talking about it. Ken Mode's on there, Shallow North Dakota's on there as well. And before that was Your Best Years, off of Grievances, which is the most recent. Cool, cool, cool. So. And then, uh, yeah, before that. We had Turk Street, Turk, Taylor, and Jones. That's a uh, first Kowloon Wall City song on the first Kowloon Wall City record. That's a good one. Classic. Classic modern American noise rock. Uh, so all those were records by Scott Evans and Co. Uh, I'd like to thank him for being on the show once again. It won't be that long of a Wait next time, but I'm glad I was able to get him on for the uh, very awesome thing that is uh, this compilation. So, compilation slash release slash fundraiser, etc., etc. You know what to do. You know what to do. Go get it. Go get it, Bobbers. If you want to talk to Scott about pedals or potentially have him mix your band antisleep.com That's the way to go He's also on all the normal social media things He's pretty approachable I think He likes to pretend he's not but he's pretty approachable Signing off The name of this show
2: Mr. and Mrs. America and all the ships at sea
0: is Conan your Protonic Reversal
2: Anyone within the sound of my voice Thank you for
0: listening to me the show airs on Radio Nope. RadioNope.com, usually I've Thursdays. 8 East 7 Central, 6 Mountain, 5 Pacific. 50,000 watts of power. Archives at ProtonicReversal.com, always free. I want to ionize the air. If you want episodes of the show sooner, Patreon.com slash ProtonicReversal. $1 a month will get you there. No ads, no sponsors. No kidding. This microphone
2: turn sound into electricity thanks to everyone
0: uh, sharing the episodes around and all that, that's how uh, people find out about it can you
2: hear me now? out on Route 128 in the dark and lonely I got my radio on can you hear me now? can you hear me now?
0: Say that there. If you're the big caller,
2: or any caller at all. Welcome to my top ten. like to thank our sponsor, but we haven't got a sponsor, not if you were the last man on earth, she was prepared to prove it, this one goes out to a special girl. Girl, it's the the end radio, the last announcer plays the last record, the last what, leaves the transmitter, circles the globe in search of a listener, can you hear me now?